Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is February 28th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on today's show, Connor and I got into the goalie goal, the goal of all goals, Linus Olmark's goal Saturday night, and also what it means for a season, because it's not like he's an average goalie who just scored that. It's a goalie who should win the Vesna and proves time and time again he should continue to win the Vesna uh, this season. We also get into Garnet Hathaway and Dmitry Orlov, what they add, what they bring, but more importantly, who's the odd man out up uh, on forward and back on defense. We also get into the rest of the Eastern Conference because the rest of the Eastern Conference is also wheeling and dealing like crazy, except one team, though, isn't doing much of anything. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I am still, I think, all of Boston. Yeah, There's a jump in people's step. We're recording this on Monday. People are flying above the ground ever since the Linus Olmark goalie goal. People have just been on a different level. I mean, people are nice to each other at, at dunks, and they're just, you know... They're just, it's like the Sam Adams commercial where everybody's nice to each yes. other. It's a, a switch has been flipped in the city of Boston. Yeah, it's a nice change of pace. Feels a little odd. Yeah, there's too many people that are, uh, you know, in a great mood at, at my local Dunkin'. Like the person handing me the coffee had a smile on, on his face. So it just felt kind of off, you know? Like, again, the, the vibes are good with this team right now. The Commonwealth is doing well. But again, we've got a couple of snowstorms on the way. People are going to be very pissed. In short order, things were getting back to normal. Hopefully the Bruins don't fall into the same uh, malaise that the rest of the region will be in. But so far, the vibes have been very good, as you said. Hopefully they don't. Uh, but this this goalie goal uh, deserves some time. Um, incredible. And we knew it was coming. You knew, like, I fully believe Swayman is going to score this year or at some point in the near future. Um, whether you that's have a hat trick. Yeah, I mean, the, and what's funny is Swayman's got to be kicking himself because in the game before against the Kraken Swayman had all the time in the world with an empty net to float one up but he didn't credit to him he he gave up five goals that game again <laughs> he just can't be going for the empty net but 
in reality, uh, it feels like it's been coming. It almost happened at the Winter Classic. People forget that puck slid just wide of the net. Um, what did you think, though, when that whole play was developing? I was stunned. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the ones where it's stunning. Obviously, first time it's happened for a, you know, a Bruins goal, goalie, but you look at the way the season has gone, it's like, this is about right. Like, I was like, yes. oh, man, oh, th- this makes sense, right? Like, you just yes. got everything that has gone right for this team, whether the the number of players who have, you know, made major strides um, that are contributing beyond the usual suspects that we expect uh, to fuel the success of this team. And I, for Omar, I think it's just a really cool moment. It's not a cherry on top because there's still a lot more work to be done. But when you just look at kind of the ups and downs this guy has had, you know, stepping in uh, to an already very volatile and, uh, you know, high-pressure position in terms of a goaltender for the Boston Bruins, they sign him. There's doubters in terms of what he can bring this team at $5 million is too much, which looks looks pretty good now, I would say, <laughs> in terms of how much his contract is. Um, goes through a few ups and downs last year. He has also the pressure of not only stepping into – uh, you know, Tuka Rath's spot. But if you're a Bruins fan, you look at Jeremy Swayman as kind of the heir apparent. You probably want to see more of his reps as well after the promise he showed in the last couple of seasons. So not the easiest uh, way for Elmark to go from a pretty floundering Buffalo team to kind of the, the high-pressure spot here in Boston. But uh, to see the strides he's made this year has been incredible. I mean, he's, I think, the Vesna front runner. Um, he hasn't really shown any... Uh, you know, hints or, or spots of, of slowing down at all. And for him to finally get rewarded with a, a moment like that where he scores a goal, just lost it over the entire Canucks team. Um, really, really cool moment and a fitting kind of uh, reward for a guy that I think has been right at the top, if not the most important reason why this team has been such a wagon this year. Oh, yeah. And again, I mean, I think he's the Vesna front runner right now. And it's just kind of a cool extra thing to be like, hey, he also scored a goal this year. Wouldn't surprise me if he scored another. I mean, the way that he, he, him and his way handle the puck. I mean, the way the season's going at this point, um, you never know. Imagine that if that happened at the Garden. Oh, I, played, I, I don't think fans would I don't think fans would have left yet. I think they'd still be there cheering it on. Um, an interesting thing about the Omar goal, and I was actually I was watching. He did an interview with uh, Elaine Cavalieri uh, with the Bruins. And he mentioned how, you know, when he was shooting it, the Canucks didn't have a lot of speed coming at him, but there were three like right there. So if he fans on that and that, you know, goes right into one of those players and they just put it in the empty net, we're talking about a very different thing here. So I think it was interesting to kind of realize, oh, wait, that wasn't like a complete shoe in either. Like that was kind of risky, but it paid off. And again, I mean, it's just. I think it kind of symbolizes his season. It's just been so good. And he's been, and he's also been so good. This is not like, you know, Dryden McKay at Minnesota state where, you know, he's getting 18 shots a game. Omar has won them many games. And to me, I mean, I don't think, you know, obviously the goal helps get him more national, you know, uh, attention, but I think we all around here, we're kind of like, yeah, he's the Vesna this year. Um, You know, as long as anything crazy doesn't happen, but I mean, he just continues to dominate and you see it and, um, it kind of symbolizes the whole season a little bit because it just felt right. The hug after Swayman jumping into him and, uh, the whole thing, go him going through the line. Like, I don't know, Connor, we've said this a few times this year, but just something about this team. Yeah. It's, you look at so many of these different games, whether it's the winter classic, that comeback win over, uh, the penguins down in Pittsburgh, uh, countless games so far as even this Dallas game recently um, there's so many moments along the way or so many 
uh, almost boxes that this team has checked. It's not like this team has just been a buzzsaw in there, uh, you know, crushing teams out and out, which they are doing, but it's also just the way they're doing it, whether it's overcoming obstacles. You have all those injuries at the start of this year, and this team didn't uh, slow down at all or start slow to start the season. Um, you look at just Omar having a fitting uh, moment like this. It just seems like everything's going right for this team, which I think the natural pessimists that are Bruins fans are like, all right, when's this going to run out? But it hasn't happened so far yet. You could even look at Olmark and how good he was in the first half and be worried about um, a little bit of, um, you know, struggles down the stretch or what have you. Hasn't been the case. And again, even if they have to kind of curtail his minutes, Jeremy Swinwood's playing great. We'll see how he does tonight against Conor McDavid and uh, the Edmonton Oilers. But so far, Swayman has really kind of held his own as well, barring that uh, last game against the Kraken. So it just seems like everything is, uh, humming right along for this team. You look at the the only issues for this team right now, it's all good problems to have, whether it's <laughs> Dordalov here, where do you put the rest of the defensemen, um, you know, getting guys back up to speed, the power play still sorts some things out. All things considered, everything's going pretty well for this team. When your goalie is scoring goals, your visitor frontrunner scoring goals, I think uh, the vibes are pretty good. So you alluded to it there. Orloff and Hathaway. They're good problems to have. They come in, you give up a first for them, you give up other picks, you give up Craig Smith. They're going to play. They have spots. Hathaway should be in the lineup. Orloff should be in the lineup. What that does mean is you can't run, you know, an extra forward and an extra, you can't run 7D. You know, you got to have, you get, there's got to be some, some cuts here. There's got to be some odd men out. It doesn't mean it's got to be odd men out every night. Now, Grizzlick is the odd man out against uh, Edmonton from the morning lines. Again, the game has not happened yet. From the morning lines, he's in that seventh defensive spot, um, which is an interesting move against a fast Edmonton team. I don't know. I mean, I know I get they're trying different things. So also, it's not bad to give a guy a night off uh, here and there. But you wrote about this recently for Boston.com in that uh, you kind of make a case for how the the uh, Jim Montgomery and the Bruins should handle defense. Because I think up front, you take out A.J. Greer. You know, Hathaway and Greer are similar enough. You'll take what you get from Greer. But on D, you have seven defensemen there who legitimately all should play every night. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good problem for Jim Montgomery to have a, a tough one in terms of finding that best six-man unit because, let's face it, like this team, even before they added Orlov, had probably the best overall decor in the league. I mean, they were leading the league in goals against per game at 2.05. I want to say that Dallas is second at 2.56. It's a pretty big gap. And again, having Olmark and Swayman has, have helped out quite a bit. But this is a team that, as, as you could say, maybe they could have used a, a Luke Shen or another depth defenseman. You can make that case there. But to have a guy like Orlov added on is definitely a luxury and is putting this team over the top. So, again, we could also get to the spot where uh, Jim Montgomery now has the luxury of, you know, augmenting his six-man unit based on whatever the matchups are. If they're going up against – a team like Tampa that's, you know, really heavy, especially in the bottom six, maybe that's when you go with Forbert and Clifton as kind of your third pair and ride those guys. If it's maybe a team like Carolina uh, that's a little bit faster, maybe that's when you can use a guy like Grizzlick to add more puck-moving uh, talents. And, again, they have the luxury of doing that. I think whichever six-man grouping you have is going to be pretty good. It's just about finding which one fits in best. Um, and, again, Don Sweeney kind of mentioned this on Thursday. Things have a way of setting of solving themselves uh, when you get to the playoffs, right? Like uh, he said it best that the six men you start with on defense at the start of a postseason run is usually not the same six guys no. you have at the end. And if it is, they are going to be very banged up. So, <laughs> you know, it's even like you look at 
you know, Hathaway's probably slotting in for Greer. I have to imagine there's going to be quite a few games in the playoffs where Greer's in the lineup and it's probably laying out a big hit. Like, you're going to need everyone uh, for this cup run that the Bruins are planning on launching here. But um, it's tough, right? You look at Grizzlika, I think it's probably the most polarizing one where I think you it's tough to ignore just the the underlying numbers, what we see from him, you know, night in and night out and, and what he brings. And there's a lot of um, potential in terms of keeping Grizzly McAvoy together. And then you have your second and third pairings anchored by two other number one guys and Lindholm and Orlov. Like that is, you pretty much have a number one guy on the ice throughout the game, like based yes. on the way those things are set up. It's just about whether or not you then weigh, you know, missing out on what a guy like Fulbert brings or, or Clifton, right? Like Clifton, you want that physical in the playoffs, Forbert, he's great on the PK. You saw how much the PK suffered when he was out earlier this year. So it's all about kind of weighing those options. Like right now, if you, if I had to make a call, I would probably say Forbert might be the odd man out just because Orlov is a very good penalty killer in his own right. And he can kind of step into those minutes, but it's tough, right? Like you saw how good Forbert was last year in the postseason uh, against Carolina. So this very well could be a, a pretty fluid situation for the Bruins. Like if, Gorzlik gets, you know, knocked around in the playoffs and he's, st- and, you know, he has a couple of rough games. Then you go with Forbert Clifton, right? Like at, le- at the very least now, the Bruins have options. It's not like the Ottawa series a few years back when it was like Tommy Cross and these guys <laughs> They were out pulling there. people out of the press box to play defense in that series. Yeah. Like if you're the Bruins and, you know, a guy's play dips or someone gets injured, if your seventh man up is a guy like Forbert or Grizzlick or Clifton, Pretty damn good. And even then, like, you got to look at other guys behind that, whether it's for the playoffs. Is it Mike Riley? Is it Strawman? Is it Zaboro? Like, you Patrick have more Mike options. Riley. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you never really know what, what's going to happen during the postseason, but it's safe to assume you're going to have to draw in a lot of different guys. So I don't think there's, uh, you know, uh, a cut-and-dry answer in terms of who is the best six-man unit. But, again, that's why the Bruins have – what is it, 20 something games left to kind of see where the best fit is because I don't think there is a clear cut answer right now. No, there isn't. And I think that you you hit on it. Again, it comes down to Grizzly Forbert and Clifton as you know, potential odd men out. And you know what the tough part is, Connor? They all do something different. They're not the same kind of defenseman, right? Clifton's a right shot defenseman. You know, he's been very dynamic this year. Forbert, you know, on the left side, good penalty killer, shutdown guy, Grizzly, good on the power play, good puck mover, good breaking the puck out. It's, you know, smaller. Like it's I think some people, you know, and, and Grizzly can be, obviously you said polarizing. Sometimes Forbert can be polarizing people. Oh, they need more speed oh, yeah. out there. Whereas, you know, oh, the, you know, he can't move the puck as well. And it's like, well, I think that's when you, you hit on it at first. It comes down to the matchups. It comes down yeah. to who you're facing in the postseason. And I think in the regular season, you're just figuring out who fits best with who. Because again, I think the main goal this year isn't just to win a Stanley Cup, but it's to see Darla Forbert in the Stanley Cup at the, at the yes, top. Yes, of course. That, that is the goal this year. You know, that's more than the cup. So that has to happen too. And whether or not Forbert's a part of that, I think is a, an interesting question. But yeah, I mean, again, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't like Matt Grizzlick, but the reality is you need him. You need him. You need the, the puck mover. You need him to be able to do what he's able to do. Um, but again, does it come at the expense of what Forbert offers? And as you said, like Orloff can kill penalties. He can, he's a good two-way defenseman. This is a guy who basically is a number one defenseman, uh, number two at least. And have him potentially yeah. the third pairing. Well, it's funny. Obviously, we've well by the time people are hearing this, they'll have seen two games of Orloff, but we've only seen one at the time of recording. It's interesting because Orloff could play with McAvoy on the top pairing. That's an easy like you could easily just no, like Lindholm McAvoy. So it's an interesting case of you know 
does that end? Do they end up fitting together? Does he replace Grizzlick up there? And then is it you know Forbert and and um, and Clifton on the third pairing, or you know Orloff can play the right side too? So all these different scenarios. So it's time we do a look around the league. Really, just look around the Eastern Conference because uh, the trade deadline this year might be pretty boring the day of because uh, as it's happening now. Most of the names are off the board. Uh, there are there are been lots of deals over the past couple of weeks, which means um, the day that the deadline comes will not be um, anything special. So we'll go through some of the deals around the league because it's interesting. We'll start with Tampa. Uh, they get Tanner Janot from the Nashville Predators, who I think he was a guy that last year was kind of a breakout player. This year, yeah. uh, not so much, as you tweeted, uh, only has four more goals than Linus Olmark. That's the fun. Now, whenever there's a player who scores, you know, di- single-digit goals, we can make that joke uh, in comparison to Olmark. Uh, but Tampa gave up a haul to get him. There must have been quite the market for Tanner Janot. It was like a first, a future second, third, fourth, and a fifth, and Cal Foot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to replicate the Goodrow, you know, Blake Coleman-type move. But for that price... Oh, I was, I don't think anyone liked that deal. No, which like, you also have to have that with a grain of salt, right? Because usually these moves happen where you're like, uh, Tampa's giving up more first, but, uh, and it's for guys that, you know, there's some guys they acquire like, uh, Blake Coleman. You're like, damn, that's a good pick. But even like these guys that are fringe or seem like they're due for regression, like, uh, like Jano, who I think shot what, like shooting percentage was 20% like 19.8 or something last year something very Um, sustainable (laughs) yeah something very very sustainable Uh, you know he's going to go down there and like score like three goals in his like first two games or something oh yeah he'll become 2011 Milan Lucic that'll be right down there so again an awful lot to give up for a guy that you really don't know what you have in him other than again a very physical player which there's value in that uh in the playoffs but I think you look at just what he brings to that Tampa team. It just further shows that that's a team that's gearing up for a physical, grueling playoff run. And for them, especially, I think you look at the first round matchup, which is pretty much penciled in at this point, and them against Toronto. Um, It's good news for the Bruins, right? Because you're going to have two teams that are both loading up. I'm sure we're going to touch on uh, Toronto's moves as well. But those are two teams that are pretty much in an arms race themselves, you know, gearing up for that first round matchup. And they're going to, kick the snot out of each other in that first round matchup. So uh, again, daunting for the Bruins in terms of the fact that a lot of other teams in the East are loading up, but at the very least you're allowed to, uh, you know, see what their first round matchup is and going into a second round. If you, if you win against a probably beat down Toronto or Tampa team, like those two teams are going to, uh, you know, just be in a heavyweight bout for what I will assume is going to be seven games. I would hope. I mean, I think as, a, yeah. as hockey fans, it's an incredible uh, series Tampa to watch. Tampa just sweeps but, them. Tam- yeah, or Toronto, you know, somehow Toronto gets by the first round. They just sweep Tampa, something the Bruins have never been able to do. So that would also be kind of, uh, I guess that'd be a good thing for uh, for Toronto in the, in the meme category. Um, but again, to, uh, Tampa hasn't done a ton else uh, aside from that. Again, still a week. Um, but Toronto, Toronto has been very active. They made a huge deal with the Blues a couple weeks ago now uh, for Ryan O'Reilly and Olachari. And then right before we came on uh, here on Monday, uh, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, which the Bruins were reportedly kind of kicking tires on. It's a very similar type Orlov um, halfway deal. I'd say it's a little lower. I don't think it's as good as the Orlov um, Hathaway tandem. 
but uh, Toronto got those two plus uh, two conditional fifth round picks from Chicago, and they gave up a conditional first in 2025, uh, second round pick in uh, 2026, and then um, two prospects. So they gave up really, you know, a conditional first um, for that. So uh, again, to me, Toronto's getting better. Um, yeah. Now, again, I still don't believe in the goaltending. Um, I, I just, I don't. Uh, we'll see what happens when we get to the playoffs. But again, I mean, you you know, Ryan O'Reilly, you get a good, you know, depth playoff tested center. Uh, I know he's not had a great year this year, but then you get Nola Chari, who's a, you know, good kind of gritty third or fourth liner who can kind of score. Sam Lafferty did the same thing. And Jake McCabe's a capable left shot defenseman who can kind of slot in, you know, tougher minutes, lower down the lineup. So again, Toronto's better. But fortunately, the Bruins may not have to face them in the first round. They get them in a bruised second. What do you think of what Toronto's done? Yeah, no, I mean, I think they've done a good job. Uh, I think that Achari fits in what exactly you need on that bottom six. Same with Lafferty. Those are guys that I think a lot of contenders covet when you get to the playoffs. And especially when you look at who Toronto's going to be going up against in the first round, you need other guys that can counter the Maroons and, and the, you know, the, the Perrys and the Genos and all these other guys that can do a lot of damage. So um, good on them for that. O'Reilly has been, uh, again, very solid for them defensively. I think defensively, it'll be really interesting to see how they utilize him because he seemed like the perfect, like third line center, shut down line, you know, put him up against Point or Kucherov or one of those guys and lock them down. That seems like a pretty good avenue for success for them there. Um, and then, yeah, I think McCabe actually is a really, really good player. He was a guy that I think I, I did a column uh, about him and why the Bruins should have targeted him as a free agent. Uh, before they got Forbert again, worked out well with Forbert. That was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that was one of so, the guys. Um, he was just a guy that even on a very, very crappy Buffalo team, always had very good numbers, really taxing minutes and did well. So I think it's a really good get for, um, for Toronto. We'll see how they balance out the cap, whether it's like, is Matt Murray going to just be on LTIR until the playoffs? So they have to move a guy like Hall or Kerfoot or someone else like that. So we'll see what the other domino is that has to drop there. But no, I mean, Toronto's, they got a lot better and Tampa Bay is already a good team and they got better as well. So again, it's one of those things for the Bruins. It's both good and bad and good that you don't have to deal with one of them in the first round. And again, they're going to be, you know, uh, beating each other down in that first round. But that also means you're going to have a very, very tough opponent in the second round. Like again, whether it's uh, one of those two teams, then a Carolina team that has given you problems for a while or the Rangers who might be getting Patrick Kane. We'll see what happens there. Or the devils who got better with Timo Meyer. Like again, we went into the same scenario in 2019 and looked at all these tough matchups and they had Columbus and Carolina <laughs> like in those last two, two rounds. Yes. So these things have a way of evening themselves out, but just in terms of reading the tea leaves, even if it's maybe an upset in a round or two, Bruins going to have a very, very tough road through the East. That's the thing is the West is doing Nothing. I mean, Vegas got Ivan Barbashev. Um, but again, like there's just the West and we've said this all year is kind of open. The East is open because well, not really open, but it's everyone's so good. I mean, you have three legitimate, you know, cup contenders in the, in the Atlantic and you have three legitimate cup contenders in the Metro. The West does not have that. And I just, again, I look at, uh, you know, New Jersey getting Timo Meyer. They're a better team now. You look at, you know, the Rangers, but I've got Tarasenko, um, you know, we'll see how that works out. Obviously on paper, very good player. They might get Patrick Kane. We'll see one of these days that might, that deal might actually happen for days. Now it's been rumored and, oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I mean, the Rangers on paper 
are probably the best team in the Metro on paper. I'm not saying like on the ice, but just like, you know, if they do get Kane, you know, Kane's Abinajad, Tarasenko, Kreider, Panarin, like that's a wicked good team. And you, you know, on defense and pretty good goalie, Shesterkin in net. Like, again, I just, to me, I, I, I'm curious. I don't think it's a given that they're going to play Carolina, the Bruins, at least in the third round yet. Um, Cause Carolina's done nothing, nothing. As these names go off the board one by one, they actually have the cap space to do stuff and they've done nothing. Who is left? I mean, again, unless they make a big deal for someone that isn't on like trade boards. I mean, I don't know what's left to go out and get. JT, and I heard someone saying there was rumor that JT Miller could be on the move or someone else like that. Maybe that's who they target. No, he's like banged up right now. But that's when we were like, oh man, Carolina's not doing anything, which you know, like there's a very good chance means they're going to get like Chikrin or someone else like that. So we'll see what they end up doing. But um, I think for you look at all these different, you know, potential moves. And when the, the Maple Leafs got O'Reilly and Achara, you're like, oh, that's, that's, not bad, but the one that I think we were all dreading was Meyer to Carolina, where we're like, oh, that's pretty good, and didn't happen. So, again, we'll see. I have to imagine you look at that team and how good they've been all year. That'd be a pretty bad look for that you know ownership and organization if they don't add a big piece with the cap space they do have, um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It should be very interesting to see. Uh, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over at Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way this Bruins season with uh, columns, features, breakdowns, all that good stuff. We, As you said earlier, we had a breakdown on looking at the, the Bruins decor and who might be the odd man out there uh, on the website today. Beyond just Bruins, we have you covered every step of the way with everything else, whether it's Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox, everything going on in Boston sports you can find over at boston.com. So please read over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And I will also say this is the week of NEPSAC prep playoffs. So we will have you covered every step of the way at New England Hockey Journal. It's a very busy week. Yes, sir. Lots of stuff, lots of games to go to and players to watch. So it should be very fun. Going to be at St. Anselm on Sunday for the boys. uh, Three straight championship games. So that should be, uh, I will be hockeyed out for a long time. uh, But it should be very, very fun. So go subscribe to us over there. And that is this edition of Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky, Bruno Speed listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.